Well, good morning. As ever, it's really nice to be with you. And um, I really feel this message that God's given me today, it's just been so much on my heart and it's really what I felt to bring today. And it is all about knowing that our Redeemer lives. There's this amazing verse right in the middle of Job. Not wrong way, there we go. Right in the middle of Job, when he's completely distressed, he's lost everything, even his friends are saying, you're an idiot, Job, just, you know, there must be something in your life you've done wrong. No one was for him at that point in time. And he says this powerful thing. He says, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed... Yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I think it's just such an amazing um, verse to be right in the middle of Job where he must have just felt like giving up and just feeling the pressures and nobody really understanding, nobody being there for him. A wife who's just said to him, curse God and die. His friends who are saying it's your fault you're like this nobody really understanding but he has this thing that he holds on to in the middle of everything that he knows that his redeemer lives so we're going to be thinking about what a redeemer is this morning and for me there's no clearer um, illustration of a redeemer than in the book of Ruth and in the life of Boaz in particular who was the redeemer so let's just pray as we come to look at that Father, we just thank you so much for the power of your word. We thank you, Lord, that it's something we can hang on to and believe in and know is true, even when we're going through things that seem like massive obstacles in our lives. We know that you are our redeemer. And as we unpack this this morning, Lord, would you just give us hearts that are open to hear anything you particularly want to bring out and say to us this morning. Just open our ears, open our hearts to you, God, we pray. We want to understand more what it means for us to have a Redeemer. So just help us, Lord, as we look at this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Boaz, Boaz was a wealthy um, farmer in the land of Israel, in Bethlehem. And every harvest time, he would go out and he would look around and see is there anyone in need. He would look out and he would talk to his foreman and find out who people were. And um, he, was, he was a man with a heart for those that came behind the reapers to glean up the ends of the um, harvest so that they would have something. That was part of God's plan was part of God's design that the poor would just come behind and they would pick out what they could take home with them. And one year, Boaz comes into his um, fields and he says to the foreman, oh, who's, who's that lady over there? And the foreman says, oh, that's a Moab, Moabite woman called Ruth. Um, haven't you heard about her? And Boaz says, no, I don't think I have really. And he said, well, 
this lady, um, she's come back with Naomi from Moab. And he said, do you remember? Do you remember Naomi? Oh, yes, says Boaz. Elimelech, her husband, yes, he's one of my relatives. Well, says the foreman, they fell on really hard times. Elimelech died and their two sons died. Naomi's got nobody left and she's so sad and she's so depressed at the moment. She said, don't call me Naomi anymore, which means pleasant. Just call me Mara because I'm bitter. The Lord has dealt bitterly with me. Nothing's right in my life. A bit like Job. And um, Boaz says, oh, that's such a, such a touching story. I'm actually related to Elimelech. Hmm, I must look out for this woman. And he goes over to Ruth and he's touched by the fact that she has left her family and come back to a a land that's foreign to her just to help out her mother-in-law. I don't know how you feel about your mother-in-laws if you've got one, but I think that's quite a big thing to do. And um, Boaz is really touched in his heart and he goes over to Ruth and... um, He says to her, stay here with my girls. You'll be safe here. Stay here. The water jars are over there. If you need something to drink, just help yourself. And um, just stay with these girls. You'll be okay here. Ruth was amazed. She said, I'm just a foreigner. I mean, I'm someone who, yeah, why would you bother bother talking to me and Boaz says I've heard your story I've heard what you've done for your mother-in-law that's a massive thing to do and he says to her may the Lord repay you for what you have done may you be richly rewarded by the Lord the God of Israel under whose wings you have come to take refuge Excuse me, I've got a bit of a funny throat this morning, so I'll probably need a few sips as I go along. And Boaz continued to look out for Ruth. He told the men to leave extra strands of the corn for her, uh, the barley for her to pick up. He told, he gave her some food at lunchtime because she hadn't got any food, and he gave her so much that she got some to take home for her mother-in-law Naomi later. And he was really kind to Ruth. He just kept looking out for her. But I tell you this, I don't think he was kind just to Ruth. I think there were a whole load of women and poor people that he looked out for. But Ruth was particularly touched by it. And Naomi was absolutely delighted that Boaz had taken notice of Ruth. And she, she actually said to Ruth, do you know what? He's our kinsman redeemer. He could redeem the land that I had to sell in order to keep going through a hard patch. And Ruth would probably have said to her, what, what's a kinsman redeemer? Because she came from Moab. She'd not heard of this before. And so um, Naomi would have said to her, and taught her about the scriptures where it says that if one of your countrymen becomes poor and sells some of his property, his nearest relative is to come and redeem what his countrymen has sold. 
And then if there was no one, God had even provided the year of Jubilee. So if there was no one to help Naomi and Ruth, every 50 years the land would revert to the original owners, which I think is great because God always wants to provide for every need of his people. And in the matter of redemption, if uh, the widow... um, had no children, the kinsman redeemer was meant to marry the woman and provide an heir for the dead man and continue his name because that was all part of the package. So Ruth followed Naomi's instructions to ask Boaz if he would do this for them and Boaz was really kind and he said he would indeed and that he felt really honoured to be asked to redeem them. But he said, there's one little thing, I have to talk to this other guy because he's your closer relative. He's actually the one first in line that is meant to be doing this. So Boaz went to the gate and he picked out the guy that he needed to be speaking to and I'm going to read Um, Ruth chapter 4 to just see what happens next you can follow along with me or you can just so Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down there just as the guardian redeemer he said mentioned he had mentioned came along and Boaz said come over here my friend and sit down so he went over and sat down Boaz took ten of the elders of the town and said, sit here, and they did so. Then he said to the guardian redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of of my people. If you'll redeem it, do so, but if you won't, Tell me so that I know, for no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. I will redeem it, he said. Then Boaz reminded him, On the day you buy the land from Naomi, you, are also, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead man with his property. At this, the guardian redeemer said, then I can't redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself, I can't do it. Now in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalising transactions in Israel. So the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself and he removed his sandal. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, Today you are witnesses that I have brought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion and Marlon. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Marlon's widow, as my wife in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. Today you are witnesses. Then the elders and all the people at the gate said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah who together built up the family of Israel. 
May you have standing in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez who Tamar bore to Judah. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and who's better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. This then is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Aminadab, Aminadab the father of Narshon, Narshon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, Boaz the father of Obed, Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David. What a beautiful story. Two completely hopeless and destitute women are brought from their property, have their out from their poverty, sorry, and they are given new hope, new life, and joy. But not only that, there's more to this story. And we see, first of all, if you notice in the genealogy, that this is Jesus' family line. This is the family line that Jesus was born out of. This was in his family line. Please notice that. It's really important. When we read this family line in Matthew chapter 1, we find out something even more remarkable. We find out that Boaz's mum was Rahab the prostitute. I love this story. So it says, Salmon, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. In Joshua chapter 2, there was a woman called Rahab and she was trapped in prostitution. And to many, she would have seemed an absolutely hopeless case with an absolutely hopeless life. When the spies came, there were two spies that Joshua sent to come and to find out what the promised land was like. She was the one who looked out for them. She took those two men and she hid them when the people in the town were saying, there's two men here, we want to get them, we want to kill them. They're obviously from this bunch of people we can see not far off who look very dangerous to us. She hid them and she protected them and she let them down out of the city at night when the coast was clear and God was not ashamed to have her in his family line. She had obviously a reason for being in this situation, we don't know, but she seemed to be having to support her family 
they were all living with her and she was seeming to support them through her prostitution, which must have been awful for her. And there was no way out in those days. There was no way out. But she decided that she would take these men and some kind of faith rose in her heart and she said, when you come back, I want you to promise me that we will be protected. And she got their agreement. And after Jericho fell, she was taken first of all and put outside the Israelite camp. But later on we find that she was brought in and assimilated into the Israelite land. They, they kept their promise to her. And she has several, she has altogether four mentions in the Bible and I love this too. It's like God is just not ashamed of the situation. In the New Testament, first of all in Matthew's Gospel, where it's almost like God is saying, look, it's like, I'm not ashamed, I've got a prostitute in my family line. I, there are only four women mentioned there and she is specifically picked out. But she gets two other mentions and amazingly in Hebrews chapter 11 where we see all the people of faith like Moses and Abraham and Isaac and important people, she gets a mention there and it says in verse 31, by faith the prostitute Rahab because she welcomed the spies was not killed with those who were disobedient. So in this passage, she's praised for her faith alongside these amazing people. In James 2, she's also mentioned, and it said, in the same way, was not Rahab the prostitute considered for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? Redemption is at the heart of who God is. He is passionate about redemption. And if you look at the other four stories, which I haven't got time to go into today, of the other other three women mentioned in Jesus' family line, each of them had to trust God for his redemption. It's an amazing, amazing story. Do you know, if I had a prostitute in my family line, I probably wouldn't be that keen to bring it to people's attention. But I feel like God is so much better than bigger than that. It's like he is the God who redeems. That woman Rahab, she was, she was needing salvation. She was needing release from this dreadful lifestyle. Ruth and Naomi, they were needing release and freedom from poverty and all that that meant to them. And God is absolutely committed to the story of redemption in every single person's life. Our God is a God who loves to redeem and bring people out of slavery and into freedom. Jesus spent a lot of time with prostitutes and sinners. A lot of time to the point which he was criticised by the leading Jews at the time, by the scribes and Pharisees. They didn't like it. What are you doing hanging out with these people? It's like Jesus is saying, these are the ones I've come to redeem. They need help. 
They need to know that God loves them right now, whatever they've done, whatever situation. You see, redemption in the Old Testament was for anybody who had fallen upon hard times, even if it was their own fault, even if they'd done something stupid and got themselves into debt. Redemption was still for that. This is the grace of God that comes with redemption. It's not because you're good enough. Although God could see past Rahab and although he could see faith in her heart, she was not actually good enough. And yet God, he just went past all of that and went straight to her heart and saw a woman of faith under all of that. There are many kinds of slavery in our world today. 2 Peter 2.19 says, A man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. And we frequently talk about the need for us to be redeemed from sin and from all the effects of that that has kept us separated from God. We need to remember that and we've been remembering that in our worship this morning. But there are other kinds of slavery out there and we need to be involved in these kind of areas. We need to first understand that we have been redeemed from the hand of the enemy. And that really means that God has chosen us to be free because to be in the power of someone means you're a slave. People in the Old Testament were actually slaves to the law. They followed the law legalistically, one thing after another, without catching the heart of God and all that he wanted to do for people in bringing them freedom. Paul writes in Galatians 5.1, It is for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. And do not let yourselves be burdened by a yoke of slavery. God definitely wants his people to be free. We see that right from the beginning of the Bible. We see that when the people were slaves in Egypt. What happened? God redeemed them. He bought them out of Egypt at the price of the firstborn sons throughout Egypt. He brought them out to the promised land where they could be free, where they could live the way that God wanted them to live, in freedom themselves and like Boaz, giving freedom to other people. He was always redeeming them in the Old Testament, always. Whenever they got taken by another nation, when they fell to the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Persians, he always was trying to redeem them and bring them back to himself and bring them back to their land where they belonged. I just want to read this passage from Isaiah 43 and it's written obviously to Israel but hear the heart of God because it applies to us as well. But now this is what the Lord says, he who created you Jacob, he who formed you Israel, I meant to click on that, sorry, do not fear For I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, like the waters of the Red Sea, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, 
like when they went through across the Jordan under Joshua. They will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Saviour. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Sheba in your stead, since you are precious and honoured in my sight. And because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. This is God's heart. He is first and foremost Israel's king and redeemer, the Lord Almighty. And if we make him our Lord, he will be our redeemer too. And the ransom price, the price for our freedom. It was not gold and silver that Boaz would have had to pay to buy the land from Naomi and Ruth, but it was the precious blood of Jesus. For you know it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed from this empty way of life handed down to you by your forefathers, but by the precious blood of Jesus Christ a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world. For Boaz, there was a cost in money to redeem Naomi and Ruth. It wasn't perhaps the most convenient thing for him. We know that the other relative said it wasn't convenient for him to redeem. And I don't know, and the Bible doesn't tell us what Boaz's situation was, But whether it was convenient or not didn't come into it. He wanted to do it because he had God's heart for redemption. For Jesus, it was hardly convenient, was it? And yet he gave everything he had to secure us and to redeem us. What a saviour. What a redeemer we have. Thank you, Jesus. And so, I want to bring this together under implications for us. What does this story of redemption say to us today? Well, first of all, that we can live in a place of thankfulness, understanding, as we've just read, that it's not with redeemable things, with perishable things such as silver or gold that we're redeemed, but with the precious blood of Jesus. Every day of our lives, we can thank God, can't we, that he chose us, that he brought us into his kingdom, that he paid the highest possible price for our redemption. We can thank him and we can live in gratitude um, to him for all that he's done for us. Let's live like redeemed people. Let's live like we believe that we have a redeemer, that he loves us and that he says to us, don't be afraid. And that brings me to my second point there. Do you know, just as Boaz took care of Ruth and Naomi, so God wants to take care of you. Whatever your needs are, 
whatever you, whatever, whatever you need, God wants to be there as your redeemer. I love this verse in Isaiah 46, verse verse 4. Even to your old age and grey hairs, I am he, this is God speaking, I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you every day. With God taking care of us, we actually have nothing to worry about because he has promised that he will be with us and all we need to do is just bring to him our needs and, our, and he will meet them. He'll never let go of us. Whatever we need, he will be there. He will be there. And my third point there is to live free. We've looked at that verse from Galatians which said, for freedom Christ has set us free. There are areas in all our lives where we are not yet in full freedom. Maybe we have fears. God doesn't want us to be bound to our fears. He wants us to be free from our fears and to be confident and to trust him. Maybe we're a bit bound legalistically like the Pharisees and the scribes and some of the people from the Old Testament who just saw they had to follow the law and do what it says without that heart connection with God. Let's ask God to bring us into more freedom so that we reflect the heart of God in all that we do. Many, maybe money and things and possessions and security are more important to us sometimes than God and maybe they are things which bind us because they force us into certain behaviours of trying to make everything secure around us. Only God, God is our security. We don't need to build around us a number of things to keep us safe. God is going to keep us safe. Let's not let God, let's not let the enemy hold us in any place or where we're not free. God has freed us. Jesus has redeemed us. Live free. Live free. Live full of faith. Live so that if God tells you to do something, even if it's inconvenient, just do it, okay? Live free. And then there's some outward implications for us as well, which is basically to be like Boaz, to have the heart for redemption. God can give us his heart for redemption. We need to just ask him, God, who am I called to? Who am I called to redeem? And I don't mean just bringing people into the faith, though that's brilliant, But there are people around who who are broken, who are hurting, who are trapped in prostitution, who are trapped in all kinds of things. God, where is the area that you want me to, to look out for someone? Is it individuals? Is it a group of people? Is it getting behind a particular charity? Is it being a voice for the voiceless? Lord, what do you want me to do to bring your freedom and your redemption in, in my life? What can I do? Don't say we can't do anything. 
Everybody can do something. And so the second point there is to ask God to help us to see people through his eyes. When Boaz looked at Ruth, he could have just seen another poor person, another one in need, another one to feel sorry for but not engage with. Boaz had an eye of faith and he saw faith in that woman. When Rahab reached out to God, there were people who were willing to take her under the wing of the Father and bring her into a safe place. And she was seen by God past all that she had done. He saw a woman of faith. He saw a woman who he wanted to be a a mother in his family line because she knew what it was like to be redeemed from the depths, the absolute depths. And then finally, we kind of need to be willing to pay the price to be like Boaz. The story of Ruth and Naomi's redemption wouldn't have happened if Boaz couldn't be bothered, if he'd had his own interests at heart or if he was so busy getting the harvest in at that moment, in other words, earning his cash, that he didn't have time to notice Ruth. Or if, like the other kinsman redeemer, he thought, it's going to, why do I want to have a child for someone else? Why do I want to do that? If he'd thought that. Boaz had to pay the price. And sometimes the reason we don't let God touch our hearts with his redemption for other people is because we can't be bothered. We can't be bothered to pay the price. There's too many people needing. What what difference can I make? I've been enjoying reading the Passion Translation recently and because it comes freshly, I often find that it challenges me in a different way. So I was reading um, Philippians and Paul was saying about Timothy. Timothy is like no other. He carries the same passion for your welfare that I carry in my heart. And then he goes on to say that this, and this really challenged me. For it seems as though everyone else is busy seeking what is best for themselves instead of the things that are most important to our Lord Jesus Christ. I thought that was a bit challenging. I thought perhaps he'd over-translated it a bit. So I went to look in um, my nice NIV that I'm used to. But even then, it said, I have no one else like him, Timothy, who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. For everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. I have been really challenged preparing this sermon. You need to know that. I'm not just putting this out here for you. This is for me too. And then there's another really challenging verse. As a result of us being bought by Jesus and by being redeemed by his precious blood, Paul writes, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honour God with your bodies. 
It's like because we have been bought by the precious blood of Jesus, we don't belong to ourselves anymore. We belong to the one who redeemed us. And that means that we to do whatever he wants us to do, no matter what. And so God wants to share his heart with us today. He wants to share his heart with us that we would know how precious we are to him, but that he would remind us that there are many precious people around us that need help in some way or another. And that it will cost us in terms of time, patience and possibly money. So we go back to that verse we started with. I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand upon the earth and after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I myself will see God with my own eyes. One day, we will stand before Jesus. And I'm looking forward to that. I'm very grateful to him for all that he's done for me. But also I'm aware that when I stand before him, that will be time for me to look at my life and wonder what I've done for him. There's a song which I used, we used to sing in the church that I grew up in. And I, I always found it difficult to sing. And to be honest, I don't want to sing it today because it always makes me cry. But these are the words of the song. By and by, when I look on his face, beautiful face, thorn-shadowed face, by and by, when I look on his face, I'll wish I had given him more. More, so much more. More of my life than ever before. By and by, when I look on his face, I'll wish I had given him more. By and by, when he holds out his hands, welcoming hands, nail-riven hands. By and by, when he holds out his hands, I'll wish I had given him more. In the light of that heavenly place, light from his face, beautiful face, in the light of that heavenly place, I wish I had given him more. Let's pray. Father God, we just are so grateful to you this morning that you have redeemed us. You have brought us back from the hand of the enemy. You have given us life. And it cost you everything to do that. You didn't even just pay silver and gold to get us out of our situation, but Lord, you gave everything. You gave your precious blood. And we're so grateful, Lord. We're so thankful that you've called us. But Lord, we also know that we have a call on our life to show your redemption to those around us. And Lord, without this being heavy, but may we just seek your face. And even if there's just one person that we feel led to, to just help or to be there for, Lord, just help us to be obedient and to do what you call us to do. 
Lord, we love you. We're looking forward to seeing you when we come to be with you. But Lord, we just feel like, Lord, we'd like to give you something. We'd like to do something for you. And we'd like to show others your heart. So Lord, would you show us how we can do that and what you would call us to and who you would call us to. Lord, we just want to do it out of the overflow of our heart of love for you, for you redeeming us, not out of any legalistic thing, not like out of, okay, now there's something else I need to do. No, we just want to be overflowing with your grace. We want to see past what we see in people to what you see in people. We want to see past their, what they put out there. We want to see to their heart, Lord, like you see in their hearts. And Lord, would you just change us and would you make sure, Lord, that we're never ever like the scribes and Pharisees who just said to Jesus, what on earth are you hanging out with those people for? Lord, we need to have your heart for this needy world at this time in which we live. Thank you for the opportunities that you're going to give us in the days and weeks and months ahead and the people that you're going to bring into our lives. Help us to be ready and welcoming to all who come into our church or all who come into our lives. Transform our thinking, we pray, by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.